0: ...means the ministry's interfering at Hogwarts. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. I must not tell lies. You seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to... What was the phrase? Come quietly. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts a podcast. We are covering chapter 19, The Lion and the Serpent. If there's a Gryffindor versus Slytherin matchup, we must have Jen on the podcast. Hey guys. So we are so there's some Quidditch going on here. There's some DA going on here. Uh there's some ramifications (laughs) from said Quidditch match, which I'm very happy that we have Jen on, because not only does she give the quidditch breakdowns we get some slytherin talk which i'm excited for because there's so very rarely do we ever get like some real slytherin breakdowns
1: this is a wonderful chapter for that
0: yes it is so uh we start off the chapter with one of my favorite things which is a massive time jump (laughs) uh that again i will point out this could have been manny Brocklehurst's moment in like late September, early October, and we just don't get it. We also miss some uh, crucial DA lessons, it seems like. Uh, We get some Harry feeling some pride in what he's doing with these DA lessons, that rebellious streak in him is, he finds himself relishing it almost.
1: He says it gets him through the day.
0: Yeah, which I get if there's, I mean, everybody needs a goal to get them through the day. This is a particularly rebellious goal that's dangerous on a lot of different levels but hey you know whatever works uh we find out that neville has disarmed hermione
1: good job neville
0: which you know hermione's not teaching this class so presumably she was actually paying attention which makes it all the more impressive because neville disarmed harry when he wasn't exactly paying attention but neville's clearly gotten better so a little hint there we get a note that colin creevy has mastered the impediment jinx after three meetings. So obviously we've missed roughly three meetings. And we also get that uh, Parvati has started producing great reductor curses, which has uh, leveled a table in the room of requirement. So a lot going on with the DA lessons.
1: Do you think, so I, I had a question when I was reading this, I'm curious to get your take on this. Yeah. Do you think that Harry is that good of a teacher, or do you think that the students are just maybe underestimated a little bit?
0: Harry's not perfect. He's not. He's not a Dumbledore. He's not a McGonagall. He's not a Lupin, even. He's not getting the best grades. He's not, you know, doing the best. But maybe you're a better teacher for it. When you're really good at something naturally, it's hard to explain how to do it. Yes. But when you have to work... To be good at something, yeah. you're better at explaining how it. you go from level one to level ten. Makes sense. There was some other stuff going on with the DA, uh, they, with Quidditch practices being scheduled and rescheduled, because now we're getting into late fall, early winter. Probably not the easiest wind, uh, weather-wise, so uh, trying to figure out times for that is challenging. Thus trying to find times for the DA practice is challenging. So Hermione's answer was devising a fake galleon that they use for communication. And she uses uh, the numbers that are usually the serial numbers indicating which goblin forged the galleon, which just makes me wonder, how many witches and wizards really look at the serial numbers And put it together, like, oh, that's indicating the goblin that thus made this galleon. Probably very few, if any, know that.
1: I feel like that's one of those things that they probably teach you and then you forget.
0: I mean, how often do we look at serial numbers on... Dollars. Yeah. Never. Never.
1: Like, I know that it's there, but I'll forget that it's there. Right.
0: And now she's using that information to figure out the date and time of future practices.
1: It's... It's a completely brilliant move because it's taking something that's just so utterly mundane that people take for granted and then using it in your favor. I was a little bit surprised that when they were describing this that there wasn't some exchange with Ron, where Ron was like, how did you know what those numbers were? Because I feel like Ron wouldn't.
0: No, I I, I just...
1: And that's not because he doesn't have galleons. That's just because he's a wizard. <laughs> there was the that match. conversation. There was that conversation, just to be clear. I am not... Insinuating that I am Ron is not always the most uh, in tune with the things that you're going on.
0: I just love that it's a muggle board that's like knows the in depth analysis of wizarding money and how that works.
1: It's Hermione. I you can't expect any less.
0: Why would you choose to read up on the history of serial numbers on galleons? And what that means.
1: She, but all she does is read. Probably wanted to know more about Gringotts and there was probably something in that book that talked about it and it was this one-off sentence that she just happened to remember. Maybe. Like.
0: Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you her reading a book on Gringotts and that being just a fun fact in there. Yeah. And that's how she picked it up. I'll give you that.
1: That's my theory. That makes
0: much more, like, that's I can't see face. her reading, like, an economics book of wizarding economics no, book.
1: Not yet. Give it a couple of years.
0: Fair enough. There is a lot of interesting magic that goes into this. So when Harry decides to change the time or date on the coin, the coin will grow warm in everybody's pocket, knowing that something's changed, which genius. She also put on a charm that once Harry changes something on his, they all change, which seems like, oh yeah, duh. But the idea of having to put an extra charm on it to make it do that, is genius and then so genius in fact that it actually impresses terry boot who goes oh my gosh that's like a newt level charm that you just put on this thing that's really impressive and she's like oh yeah you know whatever and then he's like no 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 that seriously that's impressive why weren't you in ravenclaw you're brilliant uh and then She has this note that you really picked up on.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a wonderful uh, little example of... So she acknowledges that the Sorting Hat did have serious consideration for putting her into Ravenclaw. Mm -hmm. And then immediately follows it up by saying, okay, so are we good with all the coins then? And I thought it was such a, a, a neat transition because... It's kind of in that entire thought process, in, that, in those two sentences, she tells you she could have been a Ravenclaw, and then she immediately demonstrates why she's in Gryffindor. She immediately reverts into the leader mode of, okay, we're doing this. Okay, she's going to keep driving this forward. She's going to you know, push people. And I feel like Gryffindor and leadership are very tied to sure. one another in this. And I feel like that was, that was such a great setup of like, I could have been in Ravenclaw. Okay, now I'm going to literally show you why I'm in Gryffindor.
0: How many students do you think the Sorting Hat wavered on and waffled between?
1: That's a really good question, because it certainly seems common.
0: Or at least maybe not waffled. Like, it waffled on Hermione. It waffled on Harry of like, oh, what do I do here? This is kind of close. But, and I get that it did not waffle on Draco, and Ron and it was like very quick to put them into houses but like Hannah Abbott was like Hannah Abbott like a I guess she could be in Gryffindor but I'm gonna put her in Hufflepuff and then like boom
1: that's a good question and I saw something I can't remember where I read this but I think it was probably on the, the Harry Potter subreddit but I think someone had a theory that pie chart is a is a misnomer but if you think of it as like four pieces where they're all they bleed into each other so it's like Gryffindor is next to Slytherin, is next to Ravenclaw, and then Hufflepuff is between Gryffindor and Ravenclaw. And then it was like the the qualities that they describe or that the qualities that tend to be exemplified in a lot of people tend to border on those. So like if you're a Gryffindor, you either have some qualities of Hufflepuff or you tend to... So it's to not like a hard line. Burn. So it's not... Yeah. It's, it's more a like blurred a, It's line. like a gradient between all the houses. And I just thought that was... Uh, I I don't have, like, you know, a lot of examples off the top of my head of that, but I thought that was a really interesting way to, like, conceptualize
0: it. Before we move on and get into some more Hogwarts house talk, uh, which we have a lot more to discuss (laughs) there, I do want to point out that Hermione states, well, Harry first states, hey, you know, that kind of reminds me of the dark marks that Voldy uses. And her mind is like, yeah, that's where I got it. From. <laughs> like, just very flat out, like, oh well, yeah, yeah, it's exactly where I got doesn't it.
1: Doesn't try to hide it.
0: It's, it's an interesting idea.
1: I have, I have two questions that don't matter at all. Okay. I wonder how hot the coins get, and I wonder how you stop the coins. For, like, if it heats up and you've noticed that the date has changed, how do you, like, is it picking it up that turns it off, or is it just gonna like burn a hole in my pocket if <laughs> I leave it alone? Like, what's the?
0: Do you have to like visually like? St- at it and it like recognizes like oh you have now seen the numbers and then it like shuts off right or do you have to like pressure it like i don't yeah that's a good question how hot it gets i'm assuming it's just like i imagine
1: it's not gonna burn like a hand warmer okay
0: like where you just feel like a nice warmth
1: could i put it on my back and use it like a hot stone
0: now okay I, i will say this Hermione very much seems like the type of person that if you ignore it, it will continue to get hotter and hotter and hotter the closer it gets to the actual time that you're missing.
1: I realize it's a silly question, but like, I could see Hermione. I doing could
0: that. see very much Hermione doing that.
1: Like, don't leave it alone in your school bag or your parchment is going to catch on fire. I think that's
0: how some spells work, just in general, of like.
1: Like, howlers get worse exactly. until exactly. either you open it or it explodes.
0: Yeah. Perfect example. Like, yep. I, I could see her doing something yeah. like that. It would have to be, and it would have to be subtle. It can't be like steaming like a, like a teapot. Right.
1: Because that would, that would be, be
0: noticeable. That
1: would be too obvious.
0: Unless you just get some kid like last class before the DA meeting and he still hasn't checked this thing and you just get a kid randomly screaming because it now burned his <laughs> leg or something like that. But...
1: Galleon sized burn.
0: With all the house talk that we've already had, we're just going to kind of double or <laughs> triple down on that right now. <laughs> So, we get the big uh, Gryffindor-Slytherin-Quidditch matchup. Woo! And, uh, yes, I'm not representing Gryffindor, but Jen will represent Slytherin in this, in this conversation. Yay. So, the intensity and the importance of the matchup is made very clear up front. Professor McGonagall decides, you know what? You guys are good. You guys have enough on your plate right now. We won't, I won't give you homework this week. And everybody's like, you've got to be This is big. If she's not giving homework, this is a big deal. Yes. And then she's not even like, I, don't, I wouldn't even say them subtle hints. She's just like, I've gotten really used to the cup in my office.
1: I love that she just comes out and says it. There leaves no doubt in anyone's mind. Nope. Although to be fair, I feel like when I had teachers in high school who were notorious for giving lots of homework and then they didn't give homework, everyone was suspicious. <laughs> so, I get it.
0: Oh, I totally get it too. I have
1: one quick comment on McGonagall before we jump to the other side. I find it funny that they're like, "Oh, wow, she really does care about Quidditch," as if in the first book she didn't just drag Harry, interrupt a class, pull Wood out of that class, and then instead of disciplining Harry, go, "I found you a seeker." Like clearly, she's she's in it. She's in it to win it. 100%
0: agree it should be fairly obvious by now that McGonagall's a massive Quidditch supporter yes and if there was any confusion on whether teachers or head of houses have betting favorites jump to the other side yep and we get Snape who's a little bit more I think I put in my notes maliciously biased uh he chooses a less diplomatic tactic (laughs) he selectively ignores the fact that uh, Spinett, uh, one of the Gryffindor Quidditch players, was cursed by the Slytherin keeper, Miles Bletchley. There's a name for you, Miles Bletchley. <laughs> um, and apparently there were, how many witnesses? 14 witnesses, something like something that? Something like that, yeah. That saw him curse her with an eyebrow-growing spell? Yes. Yeah. Uh, impressive. Uh, but the, That's okay. a new one. It is a why new would, one.
1: Why would that spell ever be helpful?
0: I don't know. I, I don't know, it's, this is the difference between, like, the Harry Potter books and, like, the Fantastic Beasts movies later, where you get, this is a very childish spell. Yes. Like, when as an adult would you ever feel the need to use this spell? Like, are you going to prank your coworker with it, this? Yes. Like, what are you going to do?
1: It serves no actual purpose. No,
0: not at all. Uh, so, but, like, and then the Fantastic Beasts, you see more adult magic, that's more consequential, but... Okay. I Uh, guess it
1: would be good with disguises, but you'd also have to be able to stop it fairly quickly.
0: Well, then you need to consult Fred and George, who have clearly probably done experimentation on this and have solved that. That's fair. You get Ron showing some signs of life as a keeper uh, heading up to the match. It's just he gets this flustered feeling around crowds, which I get so relatable it's it's definitely relatable and the most the easiest thing I could bring up is when I'm golfing and I'm on my own I'm just me alone and I have no one around me I feel like I can breathe Mm -hmm. take my time center everything up get my form right get my head right and I could just hit the ball well and then you have like two carts pull up behind me as I'm on a tee box and then I suddenly like shank one to the right and why? It's just because they're there. They showed up, and I'm like, oh god.
1: <laughs> I I never did team sports because I couldn't handle the pressure of it, and I also banned my parents from coming to watch me play tennis when I was really?
0: on a tennis team. In high wow. School. I, you know, I was just thinking, I'm actually going to contradict myself in a weird way.
1: Yeah.
0: When we get into this match. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm once we get into the details of this match, I'm gonna contradict myself. Okay. But we'll get there.
1: Um, I have one quick note on Ron showing signs of life yeah. as the keeper, and um, they describe him as doing a really great save where mm-hmm. he was hanging off of a broom and he kicked the Quaffle so clear that it went through the center hoop on the other side,
0: which would be pretty epic.
1: Which, I, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, and Fred and George, as the comic relief as they always are, yep, uh, go. Were so impressed with this that they go as far as saying that they seriously are considering admitting that he's family.
0: Keywords, seriously... And considering. Considering, yes. Still not there yet. Nope. Do that in the match against Slytherin, then we'll we'll finally admit that you're...
1: Which, in and of itself, is a wonderful line, but is also fantastic because all of the Weasleys look so alike.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's uh, kind of hard to mistake that family but, resemblance, but... I
1: don't think they're getting away from it. No. That, but...
0: Uh, but yeah... It's good to see Ron showing some signs that he is good at this. Or can be good at this, maybe, is the more accurate way to say that. Uh, however, he's not good at Smack Talk because <laughs> in the week leading up to this match, he gets it from all angles from Slytherin. Uh, I think Pansy Parkinson's the one uh, giving him a lot of. Or no, she's giving Harry. Some smack talk. Yes. And Harry comes back at her with like, yeah, well, I'd be more concerned if Warrington was aiming for the guy beside me because his aim is so terrible.
1: Which was... It's a great comeback. It's a great comeback. It's devastating. She's devastating.
0: He's endured it for... Well, he's endured it his whole life because he's heard it from Dudley. Yeah. So, not that Ron hasn't heard it from, again, the twins. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Harry's heard it his entire life. Uh, And the first four years at school he's i mean my goodness the triwizard tournament was brutal Uh, so he's been there done that yeah and ron i don't think has ever had this level of attention on him before i think that's the real issue he could put up with it with the twins yeah and he's not afraid to bite back at the twins but the school as a whole is now their entire focus is now shifted yeah. onto you're the keeper of the Quidditch, uh, Quidditch team for Gryffindor. Yeah. So all eyes are on you, and he's kind of wavering a bit in all the pressure.
1: He's definitely letting the pressure get to him, which again, super relatable.
0: It is super relatable, and this is his first yeah. big game.
1: I think it might be his first like organized game too.
0: Also fair. So. That's probably true.
1: It, it's a lot.
0: Granted, the Weasley family is almost big enough to yes. have their own organized Quidditch <laughs> game. But yes, you're correct. However, uh, all of that uh, flustered feelings kind of ebbs away uh, for a bit, at least, when Hermione actually gives him a good luck kiss on the cheek. Aww. And he's like, oh. And just, like, stars and, like, glazed over. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll forget all of that stress yes. for, like, five minutes until I get to the crowds. Um, but that was an interesting moment.
1: Also, I love um, before they leave for the pitch, Luna comes up, and she's got the iconic lion hat. I love the lion hat.
0: Did She she made that, right? She made it,
1: and then she said she also wanted it to be eating a serpent, but she didn't have enough time.
0: She's a talented individual.
1: I, I like Luna. She's quirky.
0: She, she, to say the least, quirky, yeah.
1: But I love the school spirit. Go, go.
0: Well, spirit. she's not the only one that has created some clothing for these Quidditch matches. Ooh,
1: nice transition.
0: Thank you. <laughs> the Slytherins have devised a badge that says, uh, if you've heard our break sound before, uh, <laughs> Weasley is our king. Uh, silver, Silver badge, I think, right? Silver, yeah, badge silver badge with Weasley is our king on it. Uh, Hermione grabs Harry the morning of the match and, and was like, Don't let him see this badge. And he's like, What are you talking about? Finally, <laughs> season is like, Oh no, <laughs> Like this could be bad.
1: I love that his reaction is like, He knows it's not going to be good.
0: This cannot be a good thing. We get the Quidditch update from Angelina Johnson that they've had some turnover on their roster, which I don't know how it's taken this long to figure out that there's turnover on the Slytherin quidditch roster
1: were they not able to so snape had been booking the slytherin or the quidditch pitch for slytherin so much that no one was able to go out there were they not able to just get a pair of binoculars from like the astronomy tower and just peek on like scout why are you not scouting the opposition
0: doesn't harry have a pair of omnioculars like he could get like formation details he can get like reverse their (laughs) like he can get the whole scouting report
1: you would think so.
0: I, th- I feel like this is the flaw in their Quidditch. Although, would that be illegal if you're, like, videotaping their practice with the
1: Killers? I mean, it's probably going to be illegal if you're videotaping it, but, like, can he not just see who walks to the pitch? I mean, you should be. Illegal. Like, so they should, or, like, get, like, a first-year student to, like, post up somewhere and be like, who is it, you
0: know? Okay, so this leads me to Slytherin Quidditch strategy because obviously we're hearing all of this from harry's point of view yeah so harry's getting scouting reports from angelina we're hearing what ron is doing to try to get better we're we know fred and george we know we know the gryffindor tactics at this point because we're with them in practice yeah what do you think the slytherins are doing in their practices to prepare for gryffindor do, do you think they're actually forming like hey, we can maybe knock Angelina Johnson off her game if we do this type of defensive strategy. Hey, or do you think it's like literally, we can't hang with them. So what we need to do is knock Harry off his broom. By all means, knock him off his broom, get him out this game, and then maybe we can hang until Draco catches the snitch.
1: I get the impression that it's closer to B that they... I don't know that they're willing to acknowledge that they're not as strategic with gameplay as gryffindor might be that's exactly I what
0: think, i wanted to get to
1: i think that the way that they might look at it is they would say well we've got size and we've got strength so we're going to just decimate them using that and i think that they are correct in that it is one of their strengths, but I think that they're not... I would imagine that they're not able to see just how disparate that strategy is versus something where, like, you know, if they're playing Ravenclaw or with playing Gryffindor, where they're coming together and they're trying to figure out, like, the different dynamics and stuff, I think Slytherin is going into it with a little bit more of, like, an enforcer mentality in hockey, where it's like, you know, we've got the big guys, we're gonna crush them, instead of trying to do the smaller speed approach kind
0: of yeah well that's why I wanted to ask you this question because from the Gryffindor's point of view they're essentially saying well Montague's an idiot well Warrington's an idiot yeah well Crabbe and Goyle we know are idiots Yeah. they're
1: all idiots
0: that's essentially Gryffindor's like whole plan here is like well they're kind of just dumb they're big they're brawny and they're dumb yeah they don't have actual like quidditch skill
1: yeah
0: like we can outskill them here or there uh, which, as we see later in the match, maybe that's not entirely accurate. Yeah. And maybe you should have been looking a little bit more critically at yourselves and, and them and being more pragmatic. Yeah. And my question to you is, do you think Slytherin, Slytherin is at all pragmatic about this? Being like, or at least Montague, as a captain, is like, okay, look, Harry's a better seeker than Draco. We need to figure out a way to counter that. Or Angelina Johnson's a better chaser than Warrington or the Weasley twins are better beaters than Crabbe and G- like do you think they're like at least Montague maybe not openly
1: I think the key thing there would be it's possible the Montague and because I feel like we have seen instances where Montague has had some level of intelligence like he's not I don't think meant to be a buffoon like the others
0: I don't think he's well he's not Crabbe and Goyle right he's not Crabbe and Goyle but I don't think he's Draco's sense of cunning either. Okay. He's somewhere probably in between.
1: I don't, I, so I don't think openly, opinion. It he you know, in a way not really, but in a way <laughs> I almost feel bad for the Slytherin Quidditch team, only because there's no way that their, Montague doesn't have the power that a captain should have in that situation, because I feel like based on how Draco is and how we've seen his father acting i have a really hard time believing because his father gifted those brooms
0: correct which put draco on the team
1: which put draco on the team which great for draco can you really see draco taking constructive feedback in any sort of capacity or like it being hinted that like harry is indeed a better like can you actually envision montague going to draco and being like hey thanks for the brooms but like you kind of suck and like you need to do better because i think draco would just have a meltdown and just like like i feel like now there's this like uneven power balance on the team of like draco feels entitled that you know he's on it because of these brooms and then he can do a good job do you think
0: crab and goyle really made the team
1: well, they, well, or where they right. place them so <laughs> right and again that it it all kind of does hint towards that being a partial like that there is a bit of a power struggle so Montague's
0: hands are tied even if he did so. have a pragmatic yep. approach you yep. think his hands are kind of tied
1: I think so that
0: he can't openly discuss Quidditch strategy because yes. they might not like to hear what he has to say I
1: don't think Draco is going to be able to take any sort of criticism in any sort of realm. And I think that immediately then makes it more difficult to manage a team and it all just it puts your team in a deficit. If you're trying, even if you approach it with like a oh yeah, you can take Harry, you still have to work around an obvious weak point on your team. And it's not a minor weak point on your team. It's a position that can very likely win or lose you the game. So you really either have to step up every other area and like really crank that up to kind of compensate for that or you have to maybe play a little dirty maybe play a little rough maybe hope that your the other team gets injured in some form which is a really terrible strategy to have but if you're looking to win a game and you're kind of handcuffed with what you can do like
0: so let me further question you on do you think It's because we're dealing with Draco, Crabbe, and Goyle specifically? Or do you think this is a Slytherin problem as a whole? Do you think it's individual or like systemic throughout the the house?
1: Have we seen anyone else from Slytherin be as sensitive as Draco? Because I can't think of anyone... And I almost kind of feel like it could very well be a Slytherin problem, but I think it's worse with Draco.
0: Okay. I guess it would almost speak to a sense of, dare I say, insecurity amongst them?
1: On the Slytherin's part?
0: Yes. Like, as a whole? Because I can't take an honest I critique.
1: Well, so that's Or sensitivity.
0: Maybe, maybe sensitivity is a better word. A sense of increased sensitivity toward criticism.
1: That's what I'm intrigued by, though, because it doesn't... Uh, granted, we don't see a lot of Slytherins. Well, that's so a
0: problem it's, in itself.
1: Well, I could not agree more. They, they are able to unite as a house, you know, and together against Gryffindor frequently for better or worse better they do worse. unite
0: as a house yes
1: um that's one. Uh, we were joking around before we started recording and I said the one positive thing I could say about Slytherin was that they do have house spirit it's
0: that they, they do. do that they um,
1: do which to me which I find kind of interesting because if we're going to go on the assumption that they're insecure with their positions or they're entitled to a degree I would almost feel like there should be a lot of infighting I feel like there should be a lot of people in slytherin being like well he's a shitty seeker, and i could do it better or he's a terrible beater and i could do it better like that there would be more of a inner intra house competitiveness to prove yourself by being the best on the quidditch team or or something to that degree but we we don't really see a lot of fallout from it we don't yeah we don't see anything from it
0: so and i think that's a great point to bring up because we're getting a gryffindor perspective 100% of the time. Yes. And they clearly have a biased view towards Slytherins, how Slytherins are, what they're all about.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, we're told from the jump that there's no dark wizard or witch that, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's come out of Slytherin. So we're, we're already in a mind frame about Slytherin. Yes. Is that fair? Because they're, like I just brought up about Montague, it's like, Maybe he is pragmatic, and maybe he's like, no, 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 Harry's a really good seeker. We need to figure that out. <laughs> like, yeah. say what you want about the kid. He can fly. So how do we combat that?
1: Yeah.
0: Maybe he can't say that out loud, because then he'd be shouted down from all of, at least his teammates. Yeah. Or other people in Slytherin. There's so much to the inner dynamics at play there yes. that I think is fascinating.
1: It is. It really is. And it, it's an honest shame that we don't have more insight and more perspective into the other goings-on of the Slytherin house. Because it does paint a very unfinished picture of...
0: Well, I, I, I think you said it really well when you said that by all of the views that we get from Gryffindor about Slytherin, there should be much more infighting, much more competitiveness, much yeah. more drama, and we don't... See it
1: we never hear about,
0: I and mean, that's not to say that there isn't.
1: I'm sure that there, you know, but I'm sure there is does, in
0: all four of the houses. I'm right. sure there's drama and stuff in Hufflepuff, but
1: it's never meant it's never shown as a focal point of Slytherin. It's never shown that they're you know, when they're in classrooms together, that they're you know, sabotaging each other or trying to one up, up each, to other to get, each other together. Yeah. It's very they do present a united front.
0: I think that's an important note to take. It's interesting. So, speaking of Slytherins being on a united front, these badges, they're just a piece of the puzzle. They're, they're the visual piece. They're not the audible piece. Uh, because as the match starts, um, I will read you parts of this wonderful, wonderful song. <laughs> Weasley cannot save a thing. He cannot block a single ring. That's why the Slytherins all sing, Weasley is our king. Weasley was born in a bin. He always lets the quaffle in. Weasley will make sure we win. Weasley is our king.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. You're
0: welcome. Uh, Move to tears. So, we we do find out that the songwriter is Draco. Yes. That Draco wrote these provocative lyrics, I guess, about Ron. Conducted by
1: Pansy Parkinson.
0: Was born in a bin. That seems aggressive.
1: <laughs> is that okay? Dumb question. Garbage bin. Or yeah, I would assume. Yeah. Okay. Because every time I read it, I'm always like, that's just, it's such a cringe lyric. Yep. Like, do better, Draco.
0: Well, he mentions that he struggled to rhyme with ugly and fat, which, you know, there's a lot of different words that can rhyme with that. Yeah, he's
1: really not a good songwriter. He's also not a good seeker.
0: Hey. Hey. Honestly, I don't think he actually tried to make those lyrics. I think he just wrote this and was fine and just wanted to throw out the insults later afterwards.
1: I think he wrote this in about five minutes. I mean,
0: Jen, you specifically very much know how much I care about actual rhyming. Yes. Of all people. Very much. You know that. Yes. She may or may not have gotten me a shirt about it for my birthday. (laughs) But, yeah, I don't think he actually ever intended to write those rhymes. I think he just wanted to throw those insults later.
1: Yeah. No, 100%.
0: That but, was. um... He's
1: just, you know, low blow after low blow. That's his
0: thing. Yeah. He clearly hit a chord with the Slytherins because they were loving us. They
1: were all on board with it. Again, unity.
0: And to our point about, you know, maybe the Gryffindors should have taken Slytherin a little bit more seriously. Slytherin jumps out to, like, a 40 to 10 lead.
1: Yeah, they actually do really Like, well. legitimately. Yeah. Like, not
0: dirty play either they just outplayed them yeah 40 to 10.
1: No I know that like they actually had a really
0: good so start. maybe Gryffindor should have been a little bit more like oh yeah, yeah Crabbe and Goyle are dumb ha ha oh no wait they are still a team that's practiced and they're there so you might as well treat them seriously
1: maybe you shouldn't wait until the morning of to finish your scouting report
0: yeah that seems poor on their part yeah uh if you're just going on hearsay like literally angelina johnson's like do you know anything about him the morning of the match
1: yeah again not great oppositional research
0: yeah i think the ever the, ron's gonna get the blame for the poor start here 40 to 10. i might put this on angelina johnson
1: so this is something that reading this chapter i just kept thinking of the entire time because i i feel i feel for ron and it's something that i wish i had really internalized a little bit more when i was younger but, like, when you're on a team sport and you make a mistake, it's very, very rare that your mistake is the reason that you lose. Like, there are yeah. usually a bunch of other contributing factors as to how you got in this place in the field.
0: Jen, sport. no one puts context to things.
1: But I love context. It,
0: it helps create a fuller picture, but who wants yeah, that? You, just, you read the snappy headline Everyone and just make someone. your judgment.
1: Everyone wants the hot takes. So Come no one, on, No one Jen. wants the context. No, but so, like, so, I mean, I feel bad for Ron, obviously, but also, like, like, what you were saying, absolutely, 100%, she failed the team by not getting a more complete scouting report, or by not doing it sooner, or by not doing more research on, you know, like, that's one aspect of why they performed poorly. She got caught up,
0: and it's a big rivalry, Yep, it's a big deal, but it doesn't seem like she did the homework to make this happen.
1: So, so you can put some of it on Ron, like he didn't make those saves, but also some of it has to go to Angelina. They were not prepared going into this.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, so yeah, uh, they get out to the forty to ten lead, and it's not looking great. Slytherins in full song. Harry miraculously spots the Snitch after mistakenly looking at I think Montague's wristwatch.
1: Yes. And also, losing his attention in the middle of the match for a solid minute.
0: Yeah, not, not great on his part.
1: No. A rare lapse in his concentration, but also another thing of if Draco had caught the snitch... It
0: now it's Harry's fault.
1: Right. It wouldn't have just been Ron's... Ron's
0: 40 points that he let up means yeah. nothing, because you just gave up 150, so... Yeah. Eh. It
1: wasn't a, wasn't a good look for Harry.
0: Not a good look for Harry. I'm just throwing this out there. Do you think Montague wore a gold wristwatch? Just, you know, throw off some... You know, Some game.
1: I didn't think of that, but I, that makes a lot of sense, and I actually kind of like it.
0: It's like not illegal, but little little gamesmanship. Yeah, you know,
1: I kind of like it.
0: I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be calling up Draco's dad and be like, "Hey, can you just uh, can you set us up with all gold wristwatches just to throw <laughs> Harry off a little bit?" Okay, great.
1: Now I wonder. Can and... you
0: give our chasers too? <laughs> like one for each arm.
1: I wonder though, to what extent that would also screw up your own.
0: Uh, presumably, well, yeah, it would it would mess with you because you see, like, a glint of gold out of the yeah. corner of your eye. And if at everyone's least look. got it. Yeah. Yeah. But.
1: I, 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 I'll I believe that he did it intentionally, and I kind of like it.
0: I mean, if Angelina Johnson was really on her game, she'd notice in the hallways, why are they all wearing gold <laughs> wristwatches? <laughs> but, oh well. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Harry does end up getting the... The Snitch, But that's not the end of the, the events, because uh, Crab ends up sending a bludger his way immediately after the snitch is caught. Yep. Cracks him in the back, yep. sends him off flying off of his broom, which was only about five or six feet off the ground. It's still not great, especially if you land a certain way. <laughs> but uh, Harry's able to like, get up and recover from himself. But that ignites a whole thing because fred and george immediately come to his aid and that's when draco starts flinging taunt after taunt after taunt yep and i guess this is the part this is more the part the the slytherin singing and then this aftermath is where i'm going to contradict myself from earlier
1: Ooh, okay where
0: i was talking about how golf and crowds not my thing like I'm solo, and I'm great. And then you add, like, two people come in, and I'm like, now I can't hit the ball.
1: Yeah.
0: I'll switch sports, because that's still accurate for golf. Yeah. But switch sports to basketball, where I'm a little bit more confident in myself. Okay. Crowds, like that singing, would have turned me into Michael Jordan. Really? Like, if I was Ron in that sense, and I was getting all of that, I'd be like, oh yeah, watch me. Watch me. Okay. And then I would have amped my game up a okay. notch, that sets me on another level up. It doesn't knock me down. Okay. So, I'm going to contradict myself You just switch the sport, but I guess that's a level of confidence because I'm confident in myself in my basketball skills, not so much golf. And then here, in this fight, when Draco's taunting me, like, friend George, Ron's already left. I mean, he is bolted.
1: He booked it. He's out.
0: And Fred and George is just hearing this and they're getting hyped. And they're getting, like, angry at Draco. I don't get that. I'm like, dude, I just beat you. Like, get out of here. Like, yeah. like that would be my reaction to it.
1: I spent the, the entire rest of this chapter reading this not understanding why they were... Because Harry even makes a comment about, like, even through all of this, Draco was still smirking. Yeah. And it's like... How do you not see through this? Like, how do, you, how do you not go into this? How are you not mentally prepared enough to go into this match to say to yourself, okay, I have a lot of things going on at school. I know that Slytherin is going to try to upset me. I know that Draco is going to try to upset me, and they're going to try to get into my head, and I know Umbridge is out to get me, and I don't want to do anything that's going to jeopardize anything because i don't want to deal with umbridge i don't want to deal with draco i don't want to deal with slytherin so i know going into this match it's going to be heated and i have to walk away zero mental preparation absolutely nothing angelina doesn't touch on it he never touches on it he's just concerned about getting ron out there because ron's feeling sick and then immediately gets swept up in the most obvious
0: uh, it's nothing you haven't heard like, before.
1: Right. It's nothing you haven't heard before. You should have known this was coming. You've reacted to this in the past and gotten into trouble for sparring with Draco. This is nothing new. Why are you engaging with him? Why are you still standing there? The minute that you got... Who cares that you got a bludger in the back? Get up and walk out. Yep. That's it. It. it, it, it it's... It blows my mind that he is still standing around entertaining Draco. It blows my mind that Fred and George are entertaining Draco. You know that this is how he is. You know that this is what's going to happen with rivalry. This is, I'm, it's not the first time it's happened. And Leave it.
0: I know some some people will say it's the heat of the moment. You're coming off of a, a intense rivalry match. You're already geared up to 10 already just to participate in the match. So you're already on like the edge, and I understand that, I do, but now that the match is over and you've won. you won. Like, I can get it. If Gryffindor loses and now he's
1: picking at you. 100%.
0: I would be more inclined to enter that fight Yes. Having lost the match, having yeah. won the match, I'm like, dude, say what you want, man. You're zero and one.
1: Right, you're you done. Just lost. I just beat you. Yeah, I'm yeah out. get out of here. I'm you out. You can talk whatever you want. I want. We're
0: gonna go celebrate. We're gonna have a couple of butter beers in the common room. Yes. It's gonna be a party, yeah. man. Yeah, my, my
1: my confidence is through the roof at yeah. this point. Why am I even entertaining you? Right. You
0: know. Right. It,
1: it, so it, all of this is just I don't understand what he's thinking when he goes in. It.
0: So all of that fallout, because we get uh, George and Harry specifically going to town on Draco, like <laughs> just beating the literal like snot out of this kid. Harry
1: skin. is still holding the snitch yeah. while he's punching Draco.
0: Um, it ends up getting broken up by Madame Booch, who uses a curse on the kids, <laughs> who actually uses impedimenta on I love them, it. Blasts them away. And sends them to McGonagall's office. And she is furious, rips her Gryffindor scarf and throws it on the ground. Yep. And she's just like, what in the world? I think she's actually more upset that they even did muggle fighting instead of just cursing him. I think maybe they would have been better off.
1: Next cursed. time, just do a bad bogey hack. So I done guess.
0: With. Or the eyebrow curse. Bring that one back.
1: He can't taunt you if he can't see do you. Do you think if
0: they had transfigured him into a ferret, she might have liked that? Because at least they used transfiguration. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. Now
1: I just see McGonagall being like, I'm really conflicted.
0: I will give you an A on your next test, but no, you can't do that. Um, no, but she's she's rightly furious because she's oh. like, you know, this is gonna. Happen. I don't care what that kid could have said to you, it, like everything you just said, everything Jen just said. Of, you know, it's coming. You've heard it before. Yep. All like, what did you expect? You're they just lost. Yep. They're trying to goad you. So. Oh yeah,
1: she does explicitly say that.
0: Yeah. So it's like, she ends up giving them, I think, a week's worth of detentions. Yep. And as soon as that happens, you hear the... I, I, I could just hear it in my head as I read the words, that hem-hem bit. Yeah. And I think it's now created, like that description of McGonagall of just tensing up immediately and like going, oh no. Yep. I think that's everybody's reaction as soon as you read those words and i'm just i'm just gonna say it right now the audacity <laughs> that she has to walk into the room at that moment when mcgonagall's already not in a great mood yes. and be like do you need help
1: this was um so i, I reread this book couple months ago something like that and then i reread the chapters right before i I come on so it's been a few months since i've reread the book in in totality and i was reading this chapter and i was like man i'm really enjoying this and then i got to this part and like my whole body just tensed up and i was like oh yeah okay this this is is why i don't like this
0: i I think everybody can relate to this yeah i think everybody can relate to you doing your job and doing your job well yep you're not making a mistake at the time nope you're actually doing your job appropriately and then someone who is not in this situation puts themselves in this situation. And you're like, I'm sorry, I didn't ask yes. for your help. If you wouldn't mind walking your butt out the door and letting me handle this. I think most people can relate to that feeling. And it's not a good one.
1: No. no, You're immediately not. upset. I'm still holding a grudge from like six years ago with a similar <laughs> situation. So.
0: It leads to. Educational Decree Number 25. Lovely. The High Inquisitor will have supreme authority over all punishments, sanctions, and removal of privileges, as well as the power to alter any said punishment, sanctions, and removal of privileges that are brought forth by other staff members.
1: Does the minister not see how ridiculous this is? Like I get that he's giving her the title, but...
0: You're just making her, essentially, the headmistress. Right,
1: we're on Decree 25. Do you not see how completely ridiculous all of this is.
0: It's it's an absurd level of control, because now you've just negated pretty much everybody else at the school. Yes. Which is absurd. Yes. Now you're just literally a ministry-run school. And she specifically cites how McGonagall went over her head to keep the Gryffindor team alive anyway.
1: Yes, which was fair, and she should have. This just completely negates anything the staff could
0: do and then she goes one step further and says harry george and fred uh will all be banned from quidditch for life uh which i have some thoughts on and i want to get your thoughts in the spoiler section because we're running long on the non-spoilers so we'll get to those later Sounds good. the brooms were confiscated that's excessive that all of us that's um anyway i'm gonna wrap this up very quickly because we're running short on time but uh she lays down those all three mcgonagall george and harry are just stunned they they don't even really have a comeback to this they're just like oh, wait what can't she do that i guess she can do that okay uh ron's mia like we haven't <laughs> seen him since the match uh, and he comes in very very late to the common room and he just he's been out walking he doesn't know all of the fallout from after this match.
1: Covered in snow.
0: Covered in snow. Uh, we find out that despite Harry, George, and Fred being banned for life, Crab only got lines. That's fair. For hitting Harry after the match, uh, which seems totally fair and appropriate. And I wonder if those lines are going to be etched into his skin forever and ever. I <laughs> highly doubt it. So. <laughs> and we get the bombshell of, oh, by the way, Haggard's back. Yay! And by the way, that's not even me cutting that short. That's literally all we get is yep. Hagrid's back. Yay! End scene. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll end scene and be back with the spoiler section, a little bit more Quidditch talk, and whatever other spoilers we can come up with. We'll be right back. Please see the- So we're back with the spoiler section after, appropriately, Weasley is our king, as the breaks down. Uh, So, we wanted to get right back into some of that Quidditch fallout, and the the idea of the the punishments doled out here by Umbridge late in the chapter, and she goes straight to Banned for Life. It's
1: pretty extreme.
0: To say the least. (laughs) I mean going to a straight life ban for a fight.
1: It's like a four game season. Couldn't
0: she <laughs> right. just
1: ban them from for the year? I
0: mean, which would still be excessive. Right. Like I think you I think banning them for the next match is easily acceptable yes. and should have been done. Yes. Cuz you can, you can't. You still can't do that.
1: I think you also have to ban Crab for the next match as well.
0: Agree. I agree. Uh, mainly just because he instigated. Forget the danger in which he yes. instigated with, but.
1: Sure. Also, give Malfoy lines.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think that's fair. I think Malfoy gets the detentions. Yeah. Not a ban. Yeah. Crab should be banned for a game. And then the two Weasleys and Harry should be banned for. Well, Fred
1: I... should get lines.
0: Fred, sh- you're right. Fred should get lines. George and Harry should be suspended for a minute.
1: If it's physical, they get suspended for a game. If it's. And I, physical lines.
0: I wouldn't even quibble with you if you said Harry and George get two matches. I wouldn't even like, quibble with you that That's much. Likely. I'd be like, I can see that. Yeah. A year might be a touch yeah. much. The rest of the season might be much. And then a lifetime ban is just, honestly, it's almost hilariously ridiculous.
1: It's not enforceable,
0: it's absurd on every level. Yes. Uh, so my thought reading this is in world in world not even talking about the real sports world and how like suspensions work for fights and stuff like that (laughs) which for the record if a member of the football team that i work for threw a punch landed a foot whatever i believe you get a one game suspension and then if you do it twice and get suspended for it twice Mm. then you have to miss the entire year that's a real world example going back to in world there has to be like you're telling me at the quidditch world cup there wasn't a fight and there wasn't like like some sanction or some motion was made at that point that you could base this off of or professional quidditch leagues there's not a scuffle that happens and then they have rules in place for suspensions that you can't like base this off of again not including that this is a whole separate Private institution that can pretty much do whatever they want, which I guess is the whole point of the ministry interfering. But it's any way you cut it, it's, it's too not, much.
1: It's not based in reality. Yeah. It's not based on any sort of regulation. Typically, there's some sort of like, um kind of like what you were saying, and then in, in professional sports too, they have tiered suspensions yep. where if it's your first time you get X, and then each subsequent time you get more, it's not something like that she just goes immediately to the extreme which wouldn't work in the real world because of like some of the ways that things are structured with like the players union and stuff where like you can't just arbitrarily you should be able to appeal the suspension right you should be able to appeal it you should be able to go to you know have other people review the decision it shouldn't just be coming from a single person also for life it kind of makes me laugh because it's so ridiculous in the sense that okay so they're banned from playing quidditch let's Let's humor her and say, for Hogwarts. If Harry practices somehow in the summer, whatever, goes to Quidditch camp, I don't know, um, graduates Hogwarts, decides to try out for a professional Quidditch team, he's not banned from that. That's not enforceable.
0: Okay, oh, so you're taking it as like literally this is a ministry put down, like Harry cannot play Quidditch ever again. She period. didn't
1: say for Hogwarts. She said for life.
0: Interesting. I, okay. I didn't read it that way. Okay. I, I read it as Hogwarts specifically. He okay. won't be able to play it ever again for Hogwarts, for the school. Yeah. But I will say I can see your angle since it's a ministry put down thing of anything in Britain. Yeah. He cannot play, period, Yeah. in Britain. Yeah. So you'd have to go internationally to play, outside of their jurisdiction.
1: Yes, but I, I just can't imagine that it would ever get to that level because he threw a punch in high school.
0: Right. <laughs> that makes no, right. it
1: just makes no sense. Like, I did read it like that. I did read it as like, you're banned from life because I'm a ministry official and I can do whatever. I can see you getting that, yeah. And I'm like, I, can, I get it for like Hogwarts, there's no way four years from now. That's what that I'm saying. are gonna try out for a team, they and they're have... gonna be like, "Oh no, you threw a punch, and the ministry's banned you. You're Harry Potter, okay. but we're gonna ban you." Like,
0: not that we haven't gone too far into this rabbit hole already. Fine. But I'm gonna go further. Perfect. This is why we need <laughs> wizarding lawyers. Do you think Harry could hire one and sue that this is?
1: He absolutely should.
0: Excessive punishment above and beyond the law
1: he i think he would make a good case for it well, i don't know why there aren't lawyers in the wizarding clearly world.
0: we didn't see them in the hearing that right. he was at earlier right dumbledore acted as such yes so would dumbledore be able to act as his lawyer first of all he should be able to appeal yeah and the appeal should be to the headmaster of Hogwarts first yes. which he would then maybe okay one game you're fine yeah all well, then we come back with educational decree number 26 And now Umbridge can usurp that as well. we will
1: just keep usurping people. And then just,
0: you know, and it just rolls down a hill. But, yeah, I don't think he's appealing to Fudge. And Fudge is like, boys will be boys, (laughs) (laughs) kind of thing, I think he's going to be like, no, you're you're done.
1: Yeah. No, I, I feel like Fudge would have Umbridge's back.
0: Also, can we just point out the fact that I just said appeal to Fudge And Fudge would be like, no. He's the minister of magic. Why is he even putting his, like, two cents into a Quidditch game of 15-year-olds? Because this whole
1: thing is
0: stupid. You don't have real wizarding business to take care of in the world you're concerning yourself with a 15 year old boy's quidditch
1: he is so concerned about albus dumbledore taking his position that he has to ban harry from quidditch for life it's stunning it's so stupid. you
0: have nothing else to do with your life that that's us getting on our soapbox about yes. <laughs> do this you have anything how else sports
1: suspensions work people no
0: it is not do you have anything else on the quidditch before um, we transition
1: i have two points to make number one this is Another reason why Snape is not suited to be a teacher, because he's letting people jinx away in the hallway, bad
0: teacher. Yeah, if if Angelina Johnson had done this to Warrington, mm-hmm. she gets detention for a week. She misses the match. Yeah. He, he would probably see to it that she misses the match.
1: 100%. Also, it was a bit unsportsmanlike to book the Quidditch pitch for like every day in a row for like eight weeks.
0: And not have, let them have it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, you know. He's... Do
0: you think McGonagall and Snape had a, like, Severus? Can you... <laughs> some non-PG words <laughs> How... in the teacher's lounge. How
1: do you think Snape acts with the other teachers in the teacher's lounge? Because he's a total jerk to all of the students. Don't they also have a bet going on at one point?
0: Oh, yeah, they always have side bets.
1: So, like, they have to be some level of amicable.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I, To your point, I fully believe they are. I all shenanigans aside I, I feel like snape does very much respect minerva uh, okay. I, for sure mm-hmm. uh i don't think he would ever throw shade on flitwick or sprout just because i think he respects their abilities
1: he doesn't strike me as a small talk guy but then how do you get well, to the point true. of like that. but then how do you get to the point of making bets with the guy like you have to have some sort of like... doesn't mean he's not competitive that's fair
0: i, I think he's he still is. he's definitely competitive and um i do think he wants to get one up on mcgonagall because i think he does respect her quite a lot yeah because um, again he, she taught him
1: yeah
0: and they obviously have they're the heads of house of two rivals. but yeah i think it's a much more amicable teacher's lounge okay. than you might then assume I might
1: imagine, based yeah. on his demeanor
0: but that being said i would love to see like him booking the quidditch pitch so much, McGonagall go walking into that teacher's lounge and being like, What in the world are you doing?
1: <laughs> what is wrong with you? And then
0: just Flitwick and Sprout just scoot their chairs back a little bit and you know, they're like, Ooh, I don't want to get in this.
1: You think Snape, when he's filling out the reservation for the pitch, is like smiling to himself, like, This is going to really get McGonagall. Probably. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Like, I'm going to one up McGonagall right <laughs> here. I
1: <laughs> wonder how early he had to get to the sign up sheet.
0: He strikes me as the guy that's got nothing really going on for him at this point, so he's probably like,
1: I'll
0: wake up early and get this done.
1: (laughs) Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, And then my other point, real quick before we get into the, the DA stuff, is, hey, what a shocker, Slytherin is the evil house, and full of evil people, and all they do is evil. Yay!
0: Yeah, I. You know, we talked a little bit about it in the non-spoiler about how we're getting all of these insights through Gryffindor's eyes, and it's.
1: Can one of them be nice? Can one of them be flattering? It,
0: by by sheer odds and probability, there has to be. But but then okay, this is a real question that we haven't gotten into yet. So there probably is. There probably is some Slytherins that are either. Genuinely nice and Mm -hmm. kind, or at the very least, uh, just non-committal and just like eh on everything, like just completely neutral. Yeah, and they just don't care one way or the other, and that's fine. But real question here: peer pressure. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Everybody else in their house, or at least majority a majority in their house might feel a certain way about certain things. Mm-hmm. And you feel like, if I don't at least show that I'm in agreement, I am now ostracized. And being ostracized is an easy, it's like it's like National Geographic in the wild. If you're left on your own out of a herd, you're picked off real easy. <laughs> like, you need to be part of that herd, even though you might not wholeheartedly agree with said herd.
1: Do you know what also contributes to feelings of isolation? Hmm. When all of the other houses make snap decisions about your house and ostracize you based on that.
0: Fair, but at least you're still in a group and not like-
1: But you're still, but the, the whole stereotype is still being perpetuated because if you're in disagreement with the people who are more outspoken like the Dracos and whomever else in Slytherin, if you don't agree with them, but the whole rest of the school thinks you're evil, then you really don't have anyone. But if the rest of the school sure. maybe wasn't so stuck on the fact that like, oh my God, Slytherin is so super evil, maybe you could make friends with someone in Hufflepuff. Maybe you could have a study buddy in Ravenclaw. Maybe you could go to Honeydukes with Gryffindor. Like,
0: sure, you no, could still
1: technically socialize with the other house, it, Like, yeah, it would it would make your sleeping arrangements a little bit awkward, but like you would at least not be alone. But right now the way that it exists, it's, if if that is how it's set up is it's either you bow to what Draco and all his beliefs are, right. which is maybe a majority or maybe just the, the uh, a very vocal minority in the Slytherin house. And everybody's and just too, else...
0: too afraid to actually speak their... Yes. Yeah, you
1: know. and then everyone else just ostracizes you. So it's like you're, you're in a terrible position.
0: I'll also throw this out at you. So in your junior high, high school years, you're thinking of some of your classmates certain ways. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, I don't really like that kid. I don't get along with him, He said some mean things to me, blah, 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 blah. And that's how you think of that kid for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And then you come back around as you're now in your late 20s, your 30s, and you see that person again. And they're a completely different person. They're a very nice guy that's, you know, got a job, got a family, got whatever, and is just a completely different person than he was shockingly 15 years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because people grow and develop and change. So my question there, relating it back to Harry Potter, is the houses matter now, because mm-hmm. that's what you're being fed 24-7 now. Yeah. But once you leave the walls of Hogwarts, and you leave the common rooms of Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Slytherin, and you're just living in a house, you're yeah. just living in a flat, mm-hmm. and you go into the ministry, or you go into you know, Hogsmeade for your round of work for the day, and you're just a person. Does that like, are you allowed to shift out and just be you and not have to be this stigma of oh, you're a Slytherin, so I know how you are, or you're a Gryffindor, so I'm expecting this. Do you know what I mean?
1: Why do you even need to have a herd mentality? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Because com- you're high
0: school, it's peer pressure. But
1: that's okay. So thank you for bringing that up. One of the things that I really liked about my high school which we can ask Elizabeth if she agrees with me on this. Although I feel like I have talked to her about this, and I think that she does, but maybe I'm incorrect with this. But one of the things that I really liked about high school is you have the stereotypical American portrayal of high school on all different forms of media, and it's very much like, these are the popular girls, and these are the jocks. And then, you know, you've got, like, the misfit kids, and then you've got, like, the nerds, and, like, the... when whenever you see it portrayed, I feel in some sort of media, they do cluster it. They do cluster it into, like, if you're this personality type, you're a popular girl. Right. You're this personality type is this. And one of the things that I really liked about my high school experience, groups in high school seemed fairly fluid. So yeah. I, I mean, don't understand why you can't just take that and apply it to, like, I get that they're in a house mentality. I get that that's forced on them much more than my experience, where I didn't live at my high school. I didn't dorm at my high school. Sure. So, like, obviously it's a very different I think of you answered
0: your own question.
1: Of the dorming.
0: No, of your, the, your whole thing, because you started with fictional, you get these like clustered groups, like a mean girl situation, yeah. where it's just like, you get the emo group, you get the art group, you get the right. jock group, you get the, uh, yes. the popular girl group, whatever. And in real life, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah. like I, I agree, my high school experience, yes, there were quote unquote clicks, Yeah. But I never felt like I couldn't go to a different lunch table and just talk to somebody. Yeah. Like, I could float between lunch tables or whatever and interact with whoever I wanted because it was relatively fluid. They were there, but it's not like, yeah because we're here, you're not.
1: Exactly. Why do they have to make it into this caricature where, especially when I feel like it's a caricature that, to me, it feels a little bit harmful because it feels like it's, these people are evil. It's not like, oh, well, those are the nerds and they like to study a lot. It's these people are evil and they're racist and they're going to grow up and try to murder you. And it's like, this feels pretty not great, especially when you're building a franchise where it's a quarter of the houses and all of your merchandise is centered around being like, what house are you in? Because I'm still very salty about the fact that I'm sorted into Slytherin. And I have I've said it before, I have zero qualms about the traits that I have that make me a Slytherin. I have massive problems with the fact that everywhere, it's the evil house. Okay,
0: you don't have to be pigeonholed as you a Slytherin forever. Yes. It could be like, I'm an adult. I'm an individual. Yes, Hi. <laughs> like, I have complicated thoughts and feelings. I'm
1: a hundred percent on board with that. Yeah. And I love that, that mentality. And I think that's a, a good way of looking at it when it comes to, you know, the progression of characters too. And the fact that we are looking at people in high school, my sole complaint still revolves around where do we see that? Oh
0: no. I, yeah. I agree with like, you. Like, no, I get what you're saying with that. Yes. It would have been nice to get more of a nuanced approach to it. I will grant you and you're 100% right in that she does a poor job with that because all of our characters whether because they need therapy and therapy doesn't exist, but they never
1: <laughs> Therapy They lawyers. never break
0: those those bonds. Yeah. Like like I said. I know people that I went to like 6th and 7th grade with yeah. who I did not like. I very much did not like them. And yeah. I have met them later in life again. Yeah. And they come up and like, Dan, how are you doing? Well, like, how's life? How's everything going? Like, And they're like, oh, this is actually like genuine? Wow, okay. And then we actually have a conversation. Yeah. And things are different because guess what? We've grown yeah, people and change. matured yeah. and we've changed. Mm-hmm. How you are at 13 is not how you are when you're 33. Hopefully. That's not how life should work. Right. So, but here in this Harry Potter world, kind of works that way it does Where what work you were that like way. at 13 apparently is how you're like in your 30s and 40s you do not mature which is unfortunate for these characters that they're not allowed to get past those childish disagreements yes snape is a different person than he was when he was at hogwarts so is Sirius. Yeah. so is so was james so like they yeah james had a family like he maybe wasn't what he was. Lupin is different. It's a shame that we weren't really allowed to dig into those nuances. Yes. But I guess it works for you and I because we get to dig into them here yeah. on Hogwarts of Podcast.
1: We get to talk about so. it. Yay! We haven't even touched on my DA Oof. thing. So continuing with this whole house talk, now that I'm rereading these chapters for this podcast, and now that I'm attempting to fully reconcile the Slytherin in me, I'm starting to notice a lot more um, of the house nuances that get drawn up a little bit and mm-hmm. one of the like the good example one of the good examples I had from earlier was Hermione acknowledging that she could have been a Ravenclaw and then immediately following up with she says something that's very much in a leadership role which is just immediately demonstrative of her being in Gryffindor sure. so it's a very nice parallel that she's got of she is Ravenclaw, she is Gryffindor you know kind of two sides to a coin another thing that we kind of touched on, was, you know, McGonagall and Snape are very deeply into this rivalry, and they both have that very strong desire to win, which is kind of, again, two sides to a coin of Mm -hmm. Slytherin and Gryffindor, where they are both very... true, sure. And I think competitive, more you know, probably more so than the other houses. So, again, it's a nice um, kind of comparison because McGonagall expresses it in a much more healthy way than Snape, who's just letting people run rampant to try to give himself the upper hand. They're both trying to manipulate the scenario by giving themselves the upper hand. McGonagall by freeing up time for people. Snape by letting people jinx people. But one of them is a little bit less malicious than the other. Sure. But it's interesting to see how they are still... So, like, it's a, it's a thread that they share, even though they're in different houses. So one of the things that I thought of while I was reading this and I was reading about the Dumbledore's army is we're presented with this as a—we're supposed to root for Dumbledore's army. We're supposed to say, wow, Harry is being really oppressed, and Umbridge is coming in, and she's taking all the power. She's making all of these— bad decisions and it's not in the best interest of Harry and his students
0: it's abusive Yeah. yeah
1: and therefore we're rooting for Harry and we're rooting for his decisions so they decide to create Dumbledore's army to practice all these spells that Umbridge is preventing them from doing so it's framed as something that we're supposed to report and that we're supposed to intrinsically support harry and empathize with harry and say oh yes this is needed this is the right thing this is the good thing to do not that i'm saying that dumbledore's army is the a a wrong thing to do but i feel like the mentality of like making that decision by saying okay it's basically we're using it as like means to an end we're going to create this club because we want to be informed to go around someone who we feel is oppressing us. Mm-hmm. And he's doing it with good intent. But I feel like if you told me that the Slytherins were doing something like that, where they were doing something with a means to an end because they felt it was something that was correct. I wouldn't totally be shocked by that.
0: So, if they started their own dark arts club?
1: Right, because if they felt it was necessary. Because I feel like it's a very. It kind of showcases a little bit of the. You have to be cunning in order to create the galleons, to find a meeting place. You have to be clever. You have to be ambitious because you're attempting to learn something that's forbidden. You're kind of checking some Slytherin boxes under the guise of something good.
0: I think I think the argument you're making is not so much that the DA is a bad thing. I think you're highlighting that the Slytherin characteristics aren't inherently bad. Yes. You can use those characteristics for Uh, more valiant purposes. Yes. Or positive directions.
1: And it, it does feel, I know that they put a lot of emphasis on that Slytherins are evil. We get that. But it does. Say it again, Jen. I'm not sure if anyone picked up on that subtlety. Um, but it's, it's just, when I was reading it, I just thought it was, I don't want to say hypocritical, but like, you you definitely get the the ambitiousness and the and the cunningness portrayed in, a, in in a positive light for Gryffindor. It's a it's a it's not one of their it's not considered a defining feature, but it's it's on full display here, and we're supposed to root for it and we're supposed to say, oh yeah, it's good that you're being ambitious. It's good that you're being cunning. It's good that you're being clever to set up this DA. Like you're doing the good thing, and then it kind of feels like the flip side of the coin for that is. Well, when it's associated with Slytherin, it's negative, but when it's okay. associated with Gryffindor, it's a positive thing.
0: We can get more into this when it becomes a major plot point in the next book. Yeah. But I'm going to throw it out, you, throw it at you now because we do get a Slytherin using the Room of Requirement
1: mm-hmm.
0: in a cunning, ambitious way Yes. Uh, for a means to an end.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, with Draco using the room to fix the Vanishing Cabinet.
1: That's a wonderful parallel.
0: And you can get into the nuts and bolts of why he's doing this. Mm-hmm. Is he doing it to bring down Dumbledore? Is he doing it to serve Voldy? Is he doing it to break the Wizarding World? Because ultimately, that's a step towards that. Yeah. Or is he doing it to because he feels threatened? And he feels like he's backed into a corner, mm. that he can't escape, and if he tries, he dies. Is he doing it to save his family, who's now in a really difficult position at that point in time? Lucius has fallen out of favor hard at that point in time. Is he doing it to save himself and his family? Like, just survive. Yeah. And do what he has to do. And now he's fixing a vanishing cabinet on his own, which is a very clever uh, fix that no one saw it coming. Yeah, Dumbledore didn't see that one coming. No one did. He got one up on everybody. So, to your point, now that a Slytherin is using the Room of Requirement for a very morally questionable uh, circumstance, is it, you know, it's not Harry training people to fight yeah. in a rebellion. It's just fixing them cabinet <laughs> essentially yes. but that's such it goes down as harry is a hero and draco is a villain
1: yes i think it's in the eye of the beholder
0: 100 percent, and we're looking through the eye of
1: right we're looking beholder. Through, we're looking through one eye of, or, we're or looking through one, one lens one lens of this Correct. but i think and i i think that that's a really good way of, of putting it for this too where it is The line between Slytherin and Gryffindor feels very, very thin sometimes. I agree. It's in situations like this where you really see how thin it is. Yeah. Because I think there are arguments, I think there are fewer arguments to be made that the DA is bad, although you could certainly see from like Fudge's perspective. Oh,
0: it's a threat. It's a blatant a
1: threat, th- right? So, like, it's not a hundred percent good. And then you look at Draco in the next book, and my personal opinion is it's not a hundred percent bad. So, it, it is a very—I I love the grayness, and that is one of my one of the things I like about the next book, and I'm really excited to to dive into the next book is I think Draco finally starts to develop some nuance, and I think that's yeah. fun to see. Um,
0: I I think it's fun because when you're reading these books more critically mm-hmm. as we are you're we've always read them through the eyes of harry and we've always felt empathetic towards his cause because you're reading it through his eyes everything's unfair to him and everything's against him yep and most of that is true everything everything is, no, a yep. lot is against him yep I think what we do on this podcast that's unique is we try to look through other lenses of other characters and see where their point of view actually is. Yeah. And in other points of view
1: it's not as What clear-cut.
0: Harry is arming children to fight whoever. Yeah. It, it doesn't Yes, it's against Voldy and against the Death Eaters. But if the Ministry is standing in his way, do you think Harry's going to think twice about you know taking a shot at umbridge who's a ministry official whether you like her or not yeah. is you know i mean that's a threat to the ministry of magic which is your presiding government yeah. it's like that's a threat yeah. that's not a great thing it's essentially treason yeah so i mean it treason might be a little harsh but <laughs> If you're Fudge, you're starting to look through that treasonous right, lens right. of I'm trying to do what's best for the country. And through his eyes, he's doing that. Whether you agree or disagree with how he's doing it, he's trying to do that.
1: I, Fudge is an interesting character because I do strongly disagree with how he's presenting it. Sure. But I am sympathetic towards him. And he's in a is, tough spot. He is in a very tough spot. And that is kind of also part of this. Where it's like he is not a clear-cut, you know, Voldemort is the clear-cut villain here. Yes. Unambiguous. Fudge, I'm a little bit more sympathetic to because I, I think he does mean well, I just think he's so A, in his own head and B, just not able to comprehend the, what Dumbledore, the, the Dumbledore is actually telling him the truth. So, like, I'm a little bit more sympathetic because I think he's he's trying, it's just not, he's not right.
0: I don't, I don't think he would be I don't think he's right in what he's doing. I agree with you. He he took the wrong approach.
1: 100%.
0: I don't think, honestly, I don't think he would be a great minister of magic if he just jumped on the Dumbledore bandwagon blindly. That's fair. Either. Because he's got a responsibility beyond just catering to Albus Dumbledore. He does have to think for a whole country and a whole bunch of people.
1: I'll give you that.
0: So I don't, the, the correct answer for him would be to skirt somewhere in the middle.
1: Do your own research. Maybe have other listen people to Dumbledore. You talk to.
0: Yeah. Have those conversations. Be like, hey, I can't meet you all the way over there.
1: Yeah.
0: Maybe do some work. Yeah. Present a nice PowerPoint presentation that I can sit for. We can discuss it, but for reasons, I can't fully commit to that. Yeah. Just yet.
1: Yeah.
0: That's where he should have been.
1: Yeah. No, that makes total In sense. In the
0: middle of both. Yes. And he just chose the aggressive. Wrong,
1: just gonna stick my head in the sand and pretend it's not happening.
0: Correct. Yeah. Which is the worst thing he can do. But
1: But if I told and I guess to also maybe try to more succinctly summarize my point, if I told you that a group of students were going against the school's rule to form their own fight club,
0: it's a problem. It's a, it's a
1: serious slither vibes.
0: Yeah, and not to mention, side note, they're teaching... And I get they've started simple here with, like, you know, disarming and, like, impedimenta and stuff like that. But what if something goes wrong?
1: Yeah, no. And what if
0: these go sideways and then one of these kids gets, like, really badly injured Mm -hmm. that you can't fit... That Hermione can't fix? And then you're either sending them to palm free or worse... Or you're sending a kid to St. Mungo's all of a sudden, and you got to explain how and why this kid got hurt.
1: Not a great look. Mm
0: -hmm. Letting 15 year olds just do their own thing very rarely ends well. Yeah. So I mean, there's some, but it goes back to like Lupin's a great guy, and he's a great teacher, and I love Remus Lupin. That Boggart lesson could have gone a certain way. Yeah. That could have ended badly. Yeah. It didn't. Great. Could have. So, I mean, there's always that other side.
1: You know, the first rule of Dumbledore's army is don't talk about Dumbledore's army.
0: I think that is actually the first rule of the (laughs) DA. I I said
1: it as a joke and then I was like, no, wait, I think I actually have a point.
0: And on the Fight Club reference, we will end it. Do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? No, I'm done. This was a loaded full episode. We hope you enjoyed Jen and I going back and forth on a bunch of different topics. Uh, Let us know what you guys think by commenting on the episode, letting us know what you think on Twitter. Please like, share the podcast, keep this thing growing. We really appreciate all the comments, all the poll results, which you can get to on Spotify and whichever polls we post on Twitter. Uh, We love hearing your thoughts and getting all your feedback. So keep it coming. And if you're so inclined, please support the podcast by clicking that support the podcast link wherever you're getting this. Shoot us a little donation. It takes a lot of time and a lot of energy putting these things together. So we appreciate every little bit that helps. Um, Otherwise, we'll keep coming and we'll have another episode next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwartsapod.